Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And now it happened when she came to him and she urged him to ask her father for a field. She dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her notice, not only the upper springs, but he gave her the lower springs. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. In our lesson for today, Caleb's daughter, Ashea, was a good example for us when it comes time to pray for God's blessings. She thought about what she wanted before she went to her father. Before you pray, know what you need before God. She came to her father with a very definite request that had been considered beforehand. Think what you're going to ask before you begin to pray, and then pray to your father like a son or daughter. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, and visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And another passage says, of those that hate me. Of those that hate me. And so God is, he's all of that. He's abounding in goodness and truth. I can almost hear Gail Irwin. If any of you seen Gail Irwin, he would just say, abounding in goodness and truth. And keeping mercy for, uh, for thousands. Forgiving iniquity. And see, that's who God is. He's not some... Uh, uh, judge in the sky who just wants to pound. Remember that God is a God of grace. He is serious about sin, but He's very gracious, and He gives much opportunity for us to turn, doesn't He? In fact, I love what it says in Isaiah 42. It says, A bruised reed He will not break, and smoking flax He will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. And I love that about the Lord, too. You know, a bruised reed, he's not going to break. When you think of a reed and it's bruised and it's kind of uh, tender in the middle and it's kind of, it doesn't have any uh, stiffness in the center of it, he's not just going to break that off. And if he sees a smoking flax, you know, he's not going to quench it. He's going he's gonna to fan the flame. And that's who God is. That's his character. Do you believe that? Because a lot of people have really crazy ideas about God because they don't read the Word of God. 
We need to read the Word of God because it's important for us to see His character and how He deals with people and ultimately how He's dealt with us and how He's going to deal with uh, us in the future too. And He's very gracious. So verse 4, it says, you know, at the end there, it says, And they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. You know, don't be sympathetic or call into question God's character upon what or whom He brings judgment upon because we don't always have all of the facts. You know, when he brings uh, this judgment upon these men, that, that was what God had wanted all along. And, and yet they hadn't continued uh, um, in, 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 in continuing with the job of, uh, of exterminating the inhabitants of the land. And so we don't have uh, really the right to call God into question about these things, even though they're difficult for us to understand. God's judgment is just, just as His mercy is just. He's, uh, he's both things. He's a God of grace, and He's also a God of war. And sometimes we have a hard time uh, juxtaposing those two. You know, if you remember in, in Jeremiah, when the Babylonians were coming against Judah and Jerusalem specifically, there was a time you know, when uh, God was laying out his indictment really against the uh, children of Israel and Judah specifically. And there came a point where God told Jeremiah, and it's recorded for us in Jeremiah chapter 7, he says, Do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. And that sounds like a really strange thing coming from God, right? Don't pray. I mean, is there ever a time when you heard God say to you, don't pray? Because uh, we should be praying about everything. And yet there is a, a point in time, and it's not for us to understand or to really know why that is, but we have to trust God. When he says the time has come for judgment, who are we to say that it isn't? You know, he is who he is. And, and so we ought not to... Uh, come against that. And so, verse 5, they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him, and they caught him, and notice what they did. They cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Now, do you see God anywhere in this uh, passage telling them to do that? Of course not. This is something that the, the children of Israel did. And certainly when you cut off the, the thumbs uh, of, a, of a king and you cut off his big toes, guess what? He's not going to be able to hold a sword. He's not going to be able to be of any use whatsoever. It's sort of like hamstringing a horse. You cut the Achilles, you know, the tendon on the back of a horse's leg, you make that horse lame. And so this man, he's not going to be able to stand. He's not going to be able to hold a sword. He's pretty much uh, done, done for. He can't do anything. He can't stand. He can't hold anything. So his whole life is completely changed. And so they did that to him. But notice what it says in verse 7. So Adonai Bezek said, and this is his testimony, he said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And then they brought him to Jerusalem. And there he died. And it's interesting because he understood that God was... This is really a retributive thing that God was bringing it back upon his own life. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 7, we know of the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And really that's the way we ought to be, right? And I think the alternate is true too sometimes. When we're 
cross with people and when we're nasty with people, guess what? We're going to get the same thing in return. And Adonai Bezek saw this very thing coming back on his, on his life. You know, it says in Psalm 54, Behold, God is my helper, and the Lord is with those who uphold my life, and he will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. And so we see Adonai Bezek falling under this same thing. It says in verse 8, Now the children of Judah, they fought against Jerusalem, and they took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, and they set the city on fire. Now, this doesn't mean that they completely rid the Jebusites, because remember, at this time, Jerusalem was the uh, the city of the Jebusites. Uh, the city was also called Jabus, and so Jerusalem was where the Jebusites were, And but they didn't finish the job, because we know that later on, in 2 Samuel, uh, we see uh, David uh, going up against the city, and, and we're talking about, you know, some 400, 500 years later, David is going up against the city. And you remember that David uh, was being ridiculed by the Jebusites living in Jerusalem. And uh, David said, Whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, uh, he shall be chief and captain. And so David, he dwelt in the stronghold, and he called the city, called it the city of David. And in First Chronicles, it gives us a little more information about what happened there. Uh, Joab, who was David's, uh, 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 let me see, he would be his uh, brother-in-law, I believe, yes, because Zeruiah, uh, Joab was the son of Zeruiah, and Zeruiah is actually the name of a woman. Um, why her name is mentioned here and not his father, I don't really know. But Joab was the one who climbed up that little shaft um, in the Gahon Spring down there in the uh, city of David, which is just that little strip of land on the south east corner of the Temple Mount. And uh, when we were in Jerusalem recently, uh, we got to see that water shaft that Joab climbed up and was able to defeat the uh, Jebusites by climbing up the shaft. And it's big enough where you can actually shimmy your way up uh, because it's not that wi- it's not so wide that you couldn't do that. And so that's what uh, we believe Joab did. And, and so that's how we got into uh, the city. But it says, And afterward, uh, the children of Judah, they went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. And then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. It says, Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba, which literally means the city of Arba. And, uh, and they killed Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmei. These three uh, gentlemen were uh, heads of families, uh, and they were the sons of Anak. If you remember, Anak was the son of Arba, who was uh, a man of, of great renown. Um, he was the fiercest or the biggest of the tribe. And so these are his sons, or the sons of Anak, I'm sorry, were Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmei there in verse 10. So from there, they went up against the inhabitants of Debir. And the name of Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. And then Caleb said, Whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa to wife. And it's almost kind of uh, interesting. I almost hear uh, David uh, perhaps recalling this event here um, a couple hundred years in the future 
when he would have Joab go up, you know, he would reward him to allow him to be captain of the guard and, and to be uh, chief of the, of the armies of Israel. And here we have the same kind of thing happening, you know, going back in time, that Caleb would give his daughter uh, to away. And it says, And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and so he gave him his daughter Aksa as wife. And now it happened when she came to him and she urged him to ask her father for a field. She dismounted from her donkey and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her, notice, not only the upper springs, but he gave her the lower springs. And, and you know, there's something about this character, Caleb, that I really love because not only was he a man of faith, but he was a very, he was a hard worker he had a great uh, discipline about his walk with the Lord, and he was a very generous man. You can see that in his, you know, giving this to his daughter. He, he, you know, she asked him, you know, just give me a spring, Dad. Just give me a spring, and um, give me springs of water. And so he didn't just give her the upper springs, but he gave her the lower springs as well. You know, and he's just a very generous man. And, and what a wonderful! And this is the Old Testament. This is. Uh, a time when, you know, the people in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling them like you and I do. You know, when we're born again, the Spirit comes into us and takes up residence, and He's permanently there. In the Old Testament saints, the Spirit of God came upon them at different times, but they didn't have the indwelling like you and I have. And yet, in spite of all that, you know, here's Caleb, this wonderful man of God, you know, demonstrating so many of these fruit of the Spirit that we see, you know, just full of faith, uh, full of uh, of life, and even as an old man willing to go up and take on the giants, you know, in the mountain of the land that he inherited, he just was one of those guys that was just, um, he just trusted in the Lord. He was just uh, like that. And, you know, don't you want to be like that when you get older? Don't you want, as you get older, just to be growing in faith rather than re- being reclusive? You know, I think that's really God's plan for us, you know. And I want to encourage you, for those of you who are older, to not uh, shrink back as you get older. Uh, rather, let the Lord build you up into even even, even more uh, usefulness to Him because what does that do? It encourages you as you're, you know, you've got more years behind you than you've got in front of you as far as life on this earth. And wouldn't it be awesome just to go out with a bang, you know, to go out full of faith? And, and, and here's the benefit of it, too, is your kids and your grandkids, what do they see? They see that, that faith in you. They see what God is doing in you. And boy, does that encourage them. And to me, that's one of the greatest legacies that uh, any person can leave to their son their daughter, their grandkids, is a life that is just spent for Christ, a life that is completely uh, abandoned to Him, a life that is given to Him completely and just willing to say, Lord, what are you going to have for me now? What are you going to do with me today? And see, that's a good way to wake up, you know, to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? Orchestrate my day, Lord. I have my plans. I know what I've got to do, but Lord, I want you to interrupt my plans, if so be, if, if you want to. Interrupt me. Uh, do whatever you'd like to do, Lord. I belong to you. And, and that's a really good thing to do. So be encouraged, older saints. Uh, grab uh, the, the, the faith that God has given you and, and grow in it and be a light uh, to not only the world but to your kids and your grandkids. 
And so verse 16, it says, Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, he went up from the city of Palms, which we know as Jericho. And Jericho, we drove by Jericho recently, and we didn't go into Jericho, but it is the city of Palms. And I've got plenty, i got hundreds of photos, literally. And as we're driving by Jericho, literally all around it and in the fields, there's still growing palm trees. It seems to be like one of those places where the palm trees are just like, it's just an optimal location for those things to grow. And and it's in the desert. It's really kind of a a crazy thing. I'm still amazed at it. But going on to verse 17, it says, And Judah went up with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. And so the name of the city was Hormah, which the the name Hormah literally means uh, devotion uh, for destruction. Uh, or just destruction, and that's really what the name means. Uh, devotion, it means they're devoted to destruction. They're devoted to um, to, to die, basically. It, it's, it literally means destruction. So in verse 18, it says, Also Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. Now these three cities ought to remind you of something, because there are five cities that the Philistines... Uh, dominated, really, they were centers of the Philistines, you know, uh, Ashdod and Gaza and, and, and others, and Ashkelon and Ekron. These were all uh, Philistine cities. So, verse 19, the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers, but notice they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. Now, again, this is not because God's hand was short, that he couldn't uh, deliver them, but again, um, you know, uh, uh, but it was because of their compromise and and the rebellion, uh, they weren't completely able to to drive them out. And we'll see when we get to chapter two that the angel of the Lord actually uh, rebukes the whole entire nation uh, because of this, because they didn't uh, finish the job to begin with, and now they're they're dealing with the consequences of these things. We'll see that when we get to chapter two. But verse twenty it says, and they gave Hebron to Caleb. As Moses had said, and then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak, which we read earlier in uh, in verse ten above, and uh, and again remember that uh, God had given the command to Moses uh, to give to Caleb uh, Hebron and that land surrounding that because of his faithfulness, because he was only one uh, one of two men that came back when they were first sent into the promised land. He and Joshua were the only two to bring back a good report. And God says, that man I want to bless, and I want to give him a land uh, for him. Uh, and, and so God, was, uh, God did that. Verse 21, But the children of Benjamin, they didn't drive out the, the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So in, in Jerusalem, before David took it, a few hundred years actually, probably four or five hundred years, before David finally took Jerusalem, Jerusalem was actually inhabited by Jebusites. Uh, that's why they call the name Jabus, uh, the name of the city, was formerly. So they did not drive out the, inhabit, uh, the inhabitants, the Jebusites, and so they dwell with Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. At the writing of this, uh, at, the, at the time of the writing of the book of Judges, the Jebusites were still living there. And so, and they were supposed to uh, drive out um, those inhabitants of the land. Um, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but I'd, I'd, I'd have you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 11, and it really talks about um, 
God's desire initially to have them drive out those inhabitants. But I will read to you, because it's a shorter passage, in Deuteronomy 20, verse 16 through 18, it says, But of the cities of those peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. And he lists the seven, the seven nations, the Hittite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And why is that? Why did he want them to do that? Here's the reason, verse 18 of Deuteronomy 20. Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. That was the reason. That's the reason he wanted them to to, to drive them out completely. And again, they didn't do it. And, and you're going to see over and over again as we finish this chapter, you're going to see the similar pattern. They didn't drive out the inhabitants. Asher didn't drive out the inhabitants. Naphtali didn't drive out the inhabitants of the land. And they were supposed to. When they first came into the land, they were supposed to do that, but they didn't do it. And so what's the application for us in that, uh, for, te- for us today? Well, I think it's fairly obvious uh, we are not to give an inch to our flesh. Don't give it an inch. Because you know as well as I do, whenever you give your flesh an inch, what is your flesh going to want to do? It's going to want to take another inch. It's going to want to take a foot. It's going to want to take a yard. It's going to want to take a mile. You give your flesh an inch, and it's going to want to take a mile. And there's always that compromise in there, and the the exhortation really is for us. And Paul said it in Romans thirteen. He said, "And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep." And I think in the time we're living right now, especially with what's going on in our country right now in the world, it's really high time that we awake out of sleep. Awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. And here's the exhortation. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Lest, let, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But notice verse 14. But here's what we're to do. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put him on like a garment. You know, the, the righteousness of the saints is that robe of righteousness that God wants to put around us. It's His righteousness, and He wraps that around us. And that's what we are to do. We are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so really that's the, um, the application for us in this part of the Scripture. But then notice what happens in verse 22. In the house of Joseph, we know the house of Joseph is Ephraim and Manasseh. They also went up against Bethel, and Bethel was just on the border of of Ephraim and and Benjamin, uh, just about 10 to 12 miles north of Jerusalem is this town of Bethel. And it says, they went up, uh, the house of Joseph went up to Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And so the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel, and the name of the city was formerly Luz. And when they... The spies saw a young man coming out of the city. They said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will show you mercy. And so he showed them the entrance of the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and his family go. And, you know, I love this about the men of Israel. You know, even though they were warriors, even though God had told them to destroy um, it seems that um, God uh, allowed them to, to demonstrate mercy to this man because it actually helped them. Um, 
But it's interesting that they kept their word to the man. Whether they were right or wrong in making the promise to the man, they were honorable to their word. And and I, and I love that because it, it reminds me of in the book of Joshua when the two spies went into Jericho. And remember, they made the promise to Rahab. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.